Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. School of Humans. Hello, welcome to Cadaver Gals, the podcast where we talk about all the ways people have died throughout history in order to cope with our own mortality. I'm Taylor along with Gabby. Hey. And it's Nika. me. Hi. I, I don't know why I thought I was going to be first. I got real excited, but alas. Yeah, wow. I, I noticed that. Sorry. I know. I, it was kind of rude, but. Um, today, we're going to talk about submarines and the lottery. Um, today's <laughs> trigger, right? That's what we're talking about. <laughs> we're just talking about these things. Yeah. That's it. It's no, nothing to do about death. If you, ever. If you No, never. If you win the lottery, you could buy a submarine. I don't know if you would yeah. want to after listening to Gabby's story. Yeah. So, Can you buy a submarine? I mean, surely there are like submarines. Recreational for, submarines? Yeah, for sure. I don't know how much they know. cost though. Pretty expensive, I bet. At yeah. least $29.9. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Today's trigger warnings are drowning, asphyxiation, murder, slavery. So good stuff. All right. <laughs> Cue music. All right, Gabby, please tell us about these submarines and, you know, just tell us. Uh, okay, Taylor, yeah. I'll just tell you. Just what dive happened. right in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 funny, 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 funny. <laughs> 
That was like a minute later. Nico was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Pun nice. Okay. <laughs> it's so, morning time. Okay. Don't be rude. It is morning. Okay. So we're going to be talking about this guy. Mm. Always a man. Okay. It's always a man. We're talking, today we're going to be talking about this submarine, uh, which actually at the time they called it a fish boat or a fish torpedo boat, or they called it a porpoise because it looked like a porpoise from afar. Um, okay. Which, and we all know a porpoise is, you know, it's like a dolphin that's mouth isn't all the way done. You know, it just got stopped right there. Anyway. Oh, I thought they were the I'm same thing. I'm thinking of a puffer fish. Sorry. Okay. No, the porpoise is the one. Yeah, I was looking up. They kind of look like dolphins if they were like really happy. Thick daddy porpoise. Thick daddy porpoise. Okay. So this is the story of Horace Lawson Hunley. And okay. this is happening during the Civil War. And he's on the side of the Confederacy, sort of. Uh, so you don't really have to root for him. Okay. Bad vibes. But he was mostly bad. <laughs> he had bad vibes. <laughs> That was the Confederacy, bad vibes only. But Hunley was a lawyer. Uh, He was born in the 1820s and he was just doing his law thing. But then the Civil War started and he was like, he kind of transitioned to being more of a profiteer, which is someone who's like, hey, horrific shit is happening. Let's see how I can make money off of it, you know? Basically, he was reading in the paper and there was a bunch of people writing about how the Confederacy is like, hey, we'll pay you like 50,000 Confederate bucks or whatever if you can sink a Union ship because the Union ships were just stationed all around the city ports and making sure that nothing was getting into them. So they're being, you know, choked out a little bit by the Union blockade. So Hundley was like, oh, shit, I should start making some subs. So I can choke them out, you know? Like, not a sandwich, but, like, a submarine. Oh, yeah, Gosh, like a submarine I love a good specifically. Sub. But basically, <laughs> Mr. Hunley is going to eventually die by his own design. By probably asphyxiation, they're not exactly sure what had happened. Um, and so going back to being choked out, you know, usually you don't think it's a sub who's going to choke you out. So maybe he was making doms. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're so silly. Uh, That's all I'm saying. That was delightful. Gabby. Thank you. Funny joke from Gabby. I'm going to tally how many (laughs) funny jokes Gabby does this episode. Here's one. That's the only one I got. Um, That was a premeditated joke. So Hunley, he gets into the business. He teams up with two other dudes who are like more actual, you know, engineers. It's handy to have people who actually know what they're doing around to do the work. Uh, But he kind of he knew a little bit about engineering as well. And the problem is that, like, the Confederacy historians were like, well, they either had somewhere between, like, 10 boats or zero boats. So they really just <laughs> didn't have a navy. You know, they didn't have, they weren't very organized. They, they either were, had you them know, or they didn't. They, yeah, they had some, but they did not, or they had none. Didn't the yeah. Confederacy last, like, less than four years? Yeah. Yeah. Like, because I remember that being a, a burn that people would say to white supremacists that. It takes longer to go through high school than the Confederacy lasted. Okay. Yeah. But it was also, you know, it was ideologically deficient, but also boat deficient. So, you Mm. know, there's so Hunley and this engineer, James McClintock, and then Baxter Watson. I do like the name Baxter. That is a fun, that is a fun name. I agree. I was just about to say that. Baxter sounds like a puppy name. Yeah, it was actually, this is Hunley McClintock and Baxter were actually all dogs. (laughs) Um, I think that's what cinema is missing is a Civil War movie, but everyone's a dog. Right. Oh, but dogs aren't mean. 
But I would say they might be ideologically deficient too, you know? Oh my God. I mean, no offense to Gus. I I just don't know if Gus, you know, thinks things through all the time. He thinks everything through. Are you kidding me? You're right. I'm being a bitch. Okay. Okay, back to (laughs) Baxter. So these dudes, they make this boat, they make a submarine, a fish boat called the Pioneer. It just like the way they described how they're making these early submarines, it just seems like they went and got like iron and then we're like, let's nail it together and make a little thing. And here it is. But it was just, (sighs) yeah, that's what they did. So they took some iron, (laughs) they glued it together, you know, put some string, you know, Elmer's glue. They put some sparkles on it. Gorilla glue. They're like, look, our submarine. Yeah. But also these submarines fucking like, I can't imagine being inside of like a submarine in general. It sounds really scary. But like these were like these submarines were like at most like five feet tall and they were all powered by hand cranks. So it'd be like seven dudes all with like their different little crank all in a line just cranking. And then there was like one dude who had like this one little oar at the front that would like direct it. Um, Like what if you farted in there? That's all I'm saying. (laughs) That's the concern. Yeah, I mean, also, you can't see down there. So they have like a little candle. All you have is like a little candle in this like iron tube. Yeah, that would suck. I don't like that at all. Don't put me down for that Airbnb. I don't want to be in a modern submarine, much less a one like that. A hand cranked (laughs) sub. It's just crazy. Also, the bathroom. When do you get to use the bathroom? That's another concern I have. Um, (laughs) Oh, yeah. I guess. Yeah, buckets. That's really nasty. And I don't like the bathroom conversation that we're having right now. And how would you have a snack? You know, you could barely fit anything in there, let alone snacks. Or is there granola bars? That's all I'm saying. Okay. Anyway, but then they're like, okay, this one kind of works. So let's like go try to present it to the Confederacy. Except the problem is, as they were like trying to take it there, there are some union ships and they were like, oh, fuck, we got to they're going to get our sub. So let's just sink it so they can't get our sub. So they ended up having to sink it so it wouldn't fall into quote unquote enemy hands, which actually sinking a boat deliberately is called scuttling. They scuttled the boat. Oh, that's the name of the bird in The Little Mermaid. I never liked him. I feel like he was such a vibe killer. Scuttle? I I hate a vibe killer. No bad vibes over here. He was just like making stuff up, you know. He's like, "Yeah, that's a dingle hopper." Like, mm, you know, actually, no Scuttle and the murderer in my story might have a lot in common. Then, okay, so Gabby. they done they done scuttled that boat, and then they're like, "Okay, well, let's just like make another boat." So then they made another boat, another submarine. They're like, "Okay, let's go put it into war or whatever." Uh, but then that one sank too. Oopsies! Oh, so no, no good. But then, you know, they've made, they've made two boats at this point. So they're like, oh, let's make a third submarine. Since, you know, the other two were so successful. Third time's the charm, you know. They made their third their third boat, um, the fi- another fish boat. And so basically the way that con- the Confederacy, they had like torpedoes, but they, their torpedoes are not what we think of torpedoes now. It was basically like in the ocean, they would just put like a barrel filled with gunpowder and then there'd be like a trigger system so the people would be sitting on shore and then just like light the fuse and then it would blow up and usually they didn't work but that, that was sounds like, funny <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it sounds like a cartoon literally but yeah. um so this was a system initially that they wanted to put on these submarines you know so that they could sink enemy boats but they're like this is actually really inefficient because it's just like tied to your boat and you can't really control where the torpedo's going. Uh, so they developed a new system which was called a 
called a spar torpedo where it was more they had like gunpowder at the end of this like wooden stick and what they would do is they would actually like go underneath the enemy boat and then they would like ram it with this spar torpedo and they would ram it into the hull of the boat and then they could trigger it and explode it inside the boat. They would ram the torpedo into the hull? The hull. Do you realize how... Mm-hmm. The hull. Okay. Like H-U-L-L. Oh, the hull. Ah, oh, here I am being a pervert. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't know what was on the minds of these boats. You know, <laughs> war is very sexual. That's, you know, what they said about the Civil War. It was all about <laughs> sexuality. That's what they were saying. Anyway, so they build this other boat. They're trying to make it better. And they had this spar torpedo attached to it. And they're like, okay, lit. We got a, we got a fucking sub that's going to rip ass. That's, what, that's what's going to happen, Okay. And so in July 1863, they're like, okay, let's test it out in front of these Confederate people so that they can be so impressed with our submarine. They did this test where the boat, where the submarine went over this coal barge. They rammed it. It exploded. It sank in just a few minutes. And then the fish boat, the submarine emerged. No problem. The Confederates were like, yas, queen, this sub is working. Let's ship it over to Charleston because the Union is fucking you know, messing up our shit. So we need to go, you know, ram some of those boats. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they get it over to the Charleston area. But the problem is McClintock, who was one of the people who was, you know, one of the builders, one of the engineers, he was like, yeah, let's test it out. So they're testing it out. They're getting all the supplies ready. But then one of this, this like Confederate general, general was like, bro, you're moving too fucking slow. I'm going to take it over. So they seized the sub from them and was like, we're going to make this test go faster. Um, but lol, 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 they went a little faster with this test. So um, they're not exactly clear what happened, but it seemed like maybe a boat passed by really quickly by the submarine that caused a big wake. But then the submarine's uh, little doors were open, so water got into it, so it started to sink. But they're also like, there was this lieutenant who was directing the boat, and he accidentally stepped on like the lever that made it go, Uh-oh. that made the boat dive. So there was like eight people who were in that submarine during the test, um, but then it acted, it sank, okay? <laughs> Oopsies. How messy. How messy. Like, like, the Confederacy were just messy. Yeah, and so they made, so five people died and three people escaped, and one of the people who escaped was actually the guy who probably caused it to sink in the first place. Anyway, so then Hunley arrives on the scene, and he's like, bro, 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 Confederate dude, like, I hear you're trying to take our test over, but you sank it, you dumb bitch, okay? So give mm-hmm. it back to us. We'll make it right, okay? So this is in October 1863, and they're going to do another test, okay? But unfortunately, this test didn't go very well either, uh, and they're thinking that it might have been like a pilot error or something went wrong. They, they don't know exactly what happened either. But this was Hunley actually decided to be part of this mission. He was like, hey, let us uh, do this test. Well, he decided to be part of the test. And no one knows exactly why either. But he was on board. And they were going to go under a boat and then try to ram it. But then it just, that didn't happen. And then it just like disappeared. And they're like, oh, shit, the submarine is gone. But then there's like a lot of bad weather. So they couldn't go look for it. Um, So then a few weeks later... They eventually were able to go underwater and find the submarine again because it sank. It had sank yet again. And they found it. And there was all of the crew members, including Hunley, you know, de- dead. They were dead. Yeah. All of them. They weren't alive they, for sure. Yeah. Fun um, fact. But you it was, can't breathe underwater. 
Yeah, it's hard to breathe underwater, especially when you don't have anything that helps you breathe underwater. I mean, according to them, white people were, you know, better. So I don't know why they didn't, you know, just grow gills or whatever, since white <laughs> people are apparently so, Yeah, you but know. evolution isn't real. Oh, right. Also, according to them, right, 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 right. <laughs> okay. I don't know why. Well, evolution wasn't popular back then anyway. So, you know, it wasn't popular. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so then it sank and then they were able to pull it up and they looked inside and it was like really eerie because all of the people who were like in the boat were, it was very obvious that they were trying really hard to escape the boat. And like Hunley was up by one of like the doors and he had like a cue still holding a little candle, like trying basically like frozen in place, like trying to get out of the submarine. Mm. So, and what they think happened is that it was pilot error and that Hunley might have not like closed or open one of the ballast tanks and the ballast tanks are basically what they use it's like a tank where you can fill it or let water out of it to basically balance your boat Um, and then submarines also have these things called keel weights which when they're trying to be more buoyant and trying to raise the surface really quickly they can like release these weights these iron weights that are on the boat and it looked like one of them was half released so like they were all very much trying to get out of the submarine because they felt like they knew it was sinking but they're like, oh, no, the, the submarine sank again. Let's, you know, let's refurbish it and do it again. So they pulled up the submarine. <laughs> Refuse to sink. But third time's the charm. You know, they're like, okay, it sunk twice, but now I think it's really going to do the thing. Okay. You know, it's even though it didn't work on these tests, we're going to make it do it. It's like going back to a bad ex. Okay. Sorry. Continue, Gabby. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so it's February. It's 1864. They're like, yeah, even though the sub keeps falling down into the ocean, we're going to freaking use it again. So they're like, okay, we're going to put it in the water. You're, there's this big ass union boat called the USS Housatonic. And they're like, you're going to go up to there and you're going to fucking sink that motherfucker. So they have a crew. Um, I'm sure the crew was really happy that they got to be in the submarine. So they're, mm-hmm. they're submarining on over to the boat. Uh, it's the middle of the night. They go under the boat and then they ram it with its spar. And then they actually blow it up. Oh. Mm. So they ram it and then it actually sinks the boat. And five Union soldiers die. Mm. Most of them got off, though. And they actually sank the boat, you know, and it's the first time a submarine ever sank a boat. Amazing. Good for them. 10 out of 10. Did a great job. Uh, The only problem was then the submarine didn't go back to the Confederacy side. They just, it was gone. And they're like, oh, shit. Uh, What? Where where did they they go? Uh, Okay. The submarine likely sank. They never saw it again. And that was a mystery for like... Years and years and years until 95. Like 1995. Yeah, 1995. But in 1995, they actually found it. They were looking, some scientists were looking at the wreckage of the USS Housatonic. And then they found the boat, the submarine as well. And they're like, oh, wow. wow. Did they find the bodies? They did. The bodies were still intact. Um, And it was really, it was kind of like eerie because they were all like sitting at their stations still. Ooh. And like their brains are actually still, I mean, they weren't alive, obviously. But <laughs> they're, they're, <laughs> this but time brains, they didn't learn gills. Okay. They were still, yeah, they're still alive, you know, 130 years later um, underwater. And their brains were still kind of intact and which they're just like, what? How does, how did that happen? But basically what they found is after doing, after studying it, they're just like, yeah, it seems like after they rammed the boat and then, you know, their little bomb went off, then the bomb just kind of like also went off where they were so then like 
you know, maybe, I mean, it makes sense though. Cause it just like, it was a pole with a bomb attached to it and they were attached to the pole. So like, anyway, so they <laughs> solved the mystery, even though I was like, that just seems like what it would have happened anyway. Yeah. It seems obvious. So Hunley, who made the submarine, he was one of 21 people who died in the submarine that sank three times. And so, you know, just watch out. If you make something, you might die by it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Don't make anything ever. <laughs> well, it's just why, because I was thinking about that, because my one invention that I, you know, I think needs to happen is, you know, when you make a margarita, but then like you forgot to salt the glass, mm. but then your margarita is already in the glass. So you can't like turn it over to salt it like that. I think I want to make a little device where you can salt it afterwards, you know, like a little around, you know. Oh, you shouldn't have said that on this podcast. Somebody's going to do that. That seems totally doable. Yeah. I mean, it's the only way you could solve that problem too. But now that I'm scared of that invention now, I don't know if I'll make it because I might die by it. <laughs> well, I hope not. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the way you said that was really funny. Okay. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about how you could escape a submarine today. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it, it would have been, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. 
Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back. So I know you all are probably wondering now what to do, how you can escape a submarine if you ever find yourself in a submarine and it is sinking or disabled. So absolutely, I am here yeah. to give you We're all options. It. Well, I'm wondering more how how can I save myself from my margarita glass salter? I think that's another episode, Gabby. Okay, well, this will be important to know, too, because I'm about <laughs> to go on a submarine battle, so I need to know this. Okay, great. Okay, so back in the day, your options were very limited. But of course, now you have these escape trunks that can get out. They can hold up to 22 people. You're also given a suit and it like inflates around your head to kind of create a bubble to help kind of compensate for the difference of pressure and to allow for temporary breathing for if you have to do an emergency ascend. The suit is also insulating so that you can stay warm because waters obviously get cold the deeper you are. And then when you get to the top, it has a raft. So you can then just be floating around waiting to be rescued. But let's say that that fails and you, the escape trunk is not working or whatever. So best case scenario, you get a rescue submarine, but that can take a long time. And during that time, there are possibly harmful fumes, fires, things like that. Because also like, there's a reason you're stuck, right? Like something has happened, something has failed, something has gone wrong. Mm, that's the truth. Mm -hmm. So you, I think you said this earlier, Gabby, like I like I read that and this really spoke to me that it is described as just like a tomb underwater. Like it is a tomb. It is just this metal thing and it's terrifying. Yeah. I don't have any desire to enter into that tomb, you know, like I don't know who's like, hey, let's go submarining. I mean, I'm sure there's some people out there that think that that would be a fun activity. Oh, undoubtedly. But I don't know. For me, it definitely feels coffin vibes. Well, also, okay, great. 
back in the day, <laughs> let's also talk about kind of like the evolution, right? Of like getting out of a submarine. So originally, <laughs> swim. I love that evolution. <laughs> oh swim. We're back to evolution. This podcast is sponsored by evolution. Okay. So they had these things or have these things called diving bells, which was first used by our buddy Aristotle. But it's basically like Aristotle. We love him. He is my friend. Yep. But it's basically like a giant cup or obviously bell shaped. It's open at the bottom. The water goes into the water and pushes air up and preserves the pressure. And then also, most importantly, air for the person. Originally, it was used for working underwater to like build bridges and things like that. They later created like an air pump, allowing air to be pumped into the bell and then lights and then windows. It got super fancy. So that was that was one way that you could be rescued. And then if you have to escape and nobody can get to you to save you, there is the option to do the old blow and go, which is... Oh, Nika knows about that. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. That's what it's called. Um, but it's a way of evacuating and swimming to the surface with no equipment for assistance. But it's likely not going to be very successful because of the pressure possibly exploding your lungs. But there's this very specific technique where you are consistently blowing out air. You keep your nose and your mouth open to reduce the pressure in your lungs, hopefully not collapsing them. Also note, the water is going to be very cold, shocking the system. So also hope you have a flashlight because it's going to be very dark and scary. I can't um, even open my eyes underwater. I can't even do that. That yeah. gives me anxiety. I have to close them or wear goggles. And I look bad in goggles, so I just don't look, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't... Th there's been very few instances where that has been successful. There's... Yeah, I mean, like, I, I guess I just feel very futile and small right now. Because I'm sure people have done the blow and go. And I haven't, and I don't know how to. I can't even open my eyes. The salt gets in my eyes, and then I just get... <laughs> And then I wear contacts, too, so, like, if my contacts would fly out, it, yeah, it'd be <laughs> it's awful. Too, I'm too weak for this. Well, have they ever talked about, I mean, to Nika's point, have they ever talked about how you're supposed to remain looking fresh and good during this process? <laughs> Very they important. Didn't. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so you're Their just, like, I mean... Their priority is survival. Well, I mean, what is survival? You know, you gotta have some dignity, right? You gotta be looking fresh and good as i said pre you gotta look you know that sea salt i feel like maybe that could do some good things for your skin i don't know i mean to me survival is just not dying <laughs> i don't okay care well you're like. a sagittarius so okay great um my survival is thriving okay my survival is looking good okay okay there we, there we everyone go. guess our signs okay go ahead <laughs> obviously your average joe schmo isn't probably not going to be able to do that i mean obviously it's like really hard for anyone the navy they practice that but it's not like your average person is not going to really be able to do that let's be real yeah they'd be blowing and going all the time in the navy yep also be on the lookout for the bends which is the decompression sickness um so if you get back to the surface too quickly that change in pressure creates bubbles in like your blood or tissues and later it can cause strokes or heart attacks. You mm. can, if you catch it early enough, you can go to recompression therapy. It needs to be treated pretty early on to be success more successful. 
But lastly, what they say is, you know, if you don't really have a way to get out, right? A lot of people are just like, they just accept it. They go to their bunks, they, they, they lay down and they're like, you know what? This is just the fate of my life. And they just kind of wait for death. So those are same dog. Yep. So nowadays there's more technology for it and you can get out. But if that's not there, then you're pretty much doomed. Lit. Unless somebody can get to you quickly. So, you know, great. Fantastic. Ooh, I also heard that there's, like, one reason a lot of submarines get fucked up is because there's, like, carbon monoxide poisoning Mm -hmm. or actually, or, like, yeah, carbon dioxide. And apparently that's, like, carbon dioxide. So, yes, it's carbon dioxide poisoning. Apparently that shit is painful as hell and it's a terrible way to die. So... Yeah, just another factoid. I would be able to die in a submarine. Absolutely, that's why we're not, you know, gonna get into one. But I just, you know, I would be like, okay, you know what, we're dying. That's what's happening, and I would feel fine, you know, if I was being rescued by Atlantis mermaids, for example, or if they just took me sweetly into death. But if it's Confederate mermaids, I am. I don't want. I I will do the blow and go, or I will try to at the very least. Yeah. Well, the Confederate submarines, though, this wouldn't have been much of an issue because they were, like, hardly below the surface, and yet they still would be drowning. Like, they would just, like, barely go under the boats to go ram them with their spar. So the pressure wasn't really an issue. It was the snacks that was the issue because they couldn't fit that many snacks on the boat. snacks. (laughs) Okay. That's sad. (laughs) No snacks for you. I mean, how long were they even down there for? Like, how long was this process? Do you know? Well, they would just be scooting in the boat. I mean, they wouldn't be like submarines now where it's like they're like under there, you know. It was a short, it was just a short period of time. It was like a short little, yeah, because you had to use like hand cranks and you had to do this. So there wasn't really under for too long. But obviously the length of time they were under uh, was not very successful. (laughs) Makes sense. All right. Well, I have no really good... Uh, transition here. So, Nika, do you want to go ahead and take us into your lottery murder? The Little Mermaid bird is a liar, and so is this bitch. Okay, so that's mm. my, that's the transition. Okay, perfect. This, Thanks, Nika. Thank you're welcome. This is a very convoluted story with a lot of details that I found. So let it, let me just get into it because I'm literally not going to have enough time to get I'm through let all you. of it. Thank you, thank you. So just a heads up. So first of all. We're going to be talking about this guy called Abraham Shakespeare. What an intense name. Wow. Okay. Abraham Shakespeare. Nice. So we're driving down to Florida for this lovely story. And truly, this is a Florida story through and through. Okay. We're in Lakeland, Florida, the hometown of both Abraham Shakespeare and also one of my exes. Oh, my gosh. So Lakeland is a small Florida town with a lot of lakes. Okay. It's located between Tampa and Orlando. And Abraham grew up in Lakeland. He was raised by a single mother. I couldn't find any info on his dad. And he dropped out of school in seventh grade. And he was kind of in and out of juvie and then later jail for burglaries. He had a hard time. And he ended up taking random jobs here and there, kind of doing errands for people, just random part-time jobs, basically. So that's kind of his childhood, how he grew up. Still in Lakeland. It's November 15th, 2006. Abraham, I think, is in his mid-30s at that point or early 20s. I am not did not find that info, but he's living his life in Lakeland, basically, as an adult. 
He's hanging out with a coworker, and they're on their way to Miami for a meat delivery job. And so they stop at a gas station in Frostproof, Florida. Didn't know that was a thing, but okay. And his coworker is like, hey, do you want a drink? And Abraham is like, no, but get me a lottery ticket. And then gives his coworker $2 for the ticket. So in an absolute bananas twist, Abraham ends up winning $30 million. Oh, that's a lot. That is a lot of money. Yes. Um, he ended up opting for a one-time payment of $17 million Because it seems like when you win the lottery, you can either do the one-time lump sum payment or um, do like in really installments. Yeah, do it in installments, which is basically like an annual payment spread out over 20 to 30 years. But Abraham said, no, I want the money. Even though obviously he won $30 million, he ended up getting 17 Still, he wanted the money. Okay. I would be mad if his friend was his... I mean, does his friend have something to do with the story? So I won't say anything if that's the... It's, but. Ac- it's actually funny you mention it. His friend ended up suing him because his friend was like, actually, Abraham stole the ticket from me. And then no one believed him in court. And um, yeah, Abraham ended up, ended up winning that case. But the friend asked for a million dollars and Abraham ended up winning the case. So, I mean, if I won the lottery and my friend bought me the ticket for $2, I would give my friend, well, maybe they weren't that close. It depends on which friend handed me the lottery ticket. But you girls, you girls, you Aww. gals, you would you would be getting a million dollars. Thank you, Gabby. Thank you. <laughs> That's so sweet. Um, maybe you don't want to win the lottery, Gabby, though, just after this story. Okay. Okay, good. So... It seems like Abraham was a very chill, a very simple guy, and he really didn't want to just totally change his life. He was like, he told a reporter he wanted to spend more time with his family and friends and go on walks and keep things just low-key. But obviously, when people find out that you won the lottery, they're going to, like, come looking for money. And he was inundated with requests from family and friends. And because he wasn't really into spending a lot of money, he actually gave a lot of it away. The only big things that he bought with his money was a Rolex at a pawn shop. He bought a Nissan Altima, and he bought a million-dollar, 6,000-square-feet house in a gated community in um, Lakeland. I mean, that's all pretty conservative, yeah. Oh, I, well, I mean, yeah, after winning $17 million, yeah. yeah. Um, and this is sad because literally from the get-go, people were taking advantage of him. Like, his realtor, the one who sold him the house actually sold it for way more than what it was worth. And she didn't offer him the option for an appraisal for the house before he bought it. And so then when the bank conducted like the appraisal that they have to do, they found out that it was only worth (gasps) $600,000. That's bad. I know. It sucks. And also her name was Barbara. It's like, okay. Barb. <laughs> that exactly. would be like if there was a Karen 2.0. Her name Absolutely. would be Barbara. Absolutely. If you're a Barbara, don't take this personally. This Barbara just sucks. Okay. So <laughs> Abraham is obviously experiencing frustration because all of these vultures are swirling around him. And he's like Drake. He's all like, you know, no new friends. That's the vibe, whatever. And he's complaining about how everyone is fake. There is literally a video of him saying, I really would like my old life back where I could walk the streets like a normal person, but I've got people coming up to me asking for money instead. Like, that is really sad. And it's literally recorded that he paid off people's mortgages, that he gave strangers thousands of dollars, that he paid off people's students' loans, he gave his friends' loans. Like, he was just not pressed about it. He just wanted to give because i don't know he seemed like a simple guy like he just didn't really care about money in that way i guess but the problem is that because he was loaning out slash giving so much money 
if people didn't pay him back, they would actually avoid him. So he ended up being very isolated. Hmm. I know. No. So in comes Dee Dee Moore. Um, she's this woman living in Tampa. Yes, Floridian. This is a very Floridian story. And she grew up kind of lower middle class. It seems like her family struggled a little bit. And she became a nurse's assistant. But it seems like she was never really satisfied. Like she had a husband, you know, child, good job. But she always wanted more. And that kind of landed her in some trouble. Initially, like from 1995 to the early 2000s, she was kind of caught doing small things like shoplifting, writing bad checks, and doing kind of shady shit. But she was never... Um, there were never any charges, like, press, basically. She just kind of got away with it, paid some fines. Okay. So as I said, she had a relatively good job. Um, it was at this healthcare facility. It seems like it was this, like, nursing staffing agency called Arcadia Healthcare. And she thrived, and she rose up the ranks very quickly, but she was very dissatisfied still. She wanted more. And at the time, she was living this really lavish lifestyle that, that did not coincide with her salary basically she even got this like very fancy car and she couldn't pay for it and then actually after missing lots of payments and being told by the bank that they were basically going to take her car she filed a police report saying she was kidnapped by two mexicans literally she says mexicans and she um apparently had her wrists and feet tied and that her car was actually stolen by them Obviously, this story is not even close to true. She paid a friend $500 to keep her car, the car that was going to be taken by the bank, in his garage so it wouldn't be repossessed. And um, then she paid another friend to drop her off in a random location with her wrists her wrists and her feet tied. And was and just was like, what's the location where some Mexicans would drop me off? Basically, is the way that she talked, oh, which is so gross. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, she's a mess and gross and terrible. She was also caught embezzling Arcadia Healthcare, but honestly... That's literally such a convoluted story. We're not even getting into it. Basically, she's that kind of person. She's a con artist, right? Yeah. And she didn't... If she had just gone with a Nissan Altima as well, maybe she would have, you know, would have been okay. Precisely. No, but she needed her big fancy car. Okay. So this woman seeks Abraham out. She ends up meeting Barbara, this terrible realtor, at a small business conference. And Dee is like... Who is this person that you're talking about, Barbara? And Barbara's like, oh my gosh, Abraham Shakespeare. He's amazing. And Dee Dee introduces (laughs) herself to Abraham. Um, She like hunts him down, basically, saying she's a writer and a business and a very successful businesswoman and that she wants to write a book about him. Now, they become close because it seems like he didn't really have anyone at the time. Like I said, he was isolated. And so they become super close and he begins to trust her. And um, she says, oh, I wanted to write a book about you, but now I see you need help managing your money. Okay. Wow. Okay. Mm. So Writers aren't good at managing their money, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, so he begins to trust her and she's like, you need help. And this is pretty bad, but it kind of gets worse. Kind of. It gets very worse. She changes the titles of his house, of his car, of his Mm. possessions, of his loans that he loaned out to people to be in her name. And what she does is she creates an LLC under his name, but he has no power over it. It's still like... He also doesn't know that this is happening. No, he knows. He knows and he trusts her. I don't know. He just like... I think he felt so overwhelmed by the money that he's like, oh yeah, this helpful business lady will help me manage it. Okay. Oh no. It's a mess. She opens a bank account for him, but she controls it. She ends up literally controlling everything. Like it all went under Dee Dee's name and he gets just totally played. Now, as I said, it's important to note that the loans that he had loaned to his friends were also under Dee Dee's name because in comes this guy called Greg 
He's a friend of Abraham's. Actually, he gave Abraham work when he had nothing. I think they met, he was a barbershop owner. And so he would give Abraham on jobs at the barbershop and just help him out. And um, he needed a loan. And so Abraham was like, of course, dude, like here. And the collateral for that loan was Greg's mother's house. Okay, so Greg was paying Abraham back. And since Dee Dee was controlling all of Abraham's expenses, Greg was paying Dee Dee back, basically. So Dee Dee's handling the payments and tells Greg that Abraham is on a three-week cruise. Okay, fine. Then some time passes, and Greg's mom gets a foreclosure notice in the mail from Dee Dee's company, saying that Greg hasn't been paying the debt, which is not true. Greg has been paying the debt to Dee Dee. Oh, no. So Greg asks Dee Dee, hey, what the fuck is up? And she's like, um, oh, Abraham is on a cruise. He's not communicating with people. You have to go through me. Like, he's texting me to help manage his money, blah, blah. But he doesn't want to be bothered. Okay. Now, Greg texts Abraham because what is going on? He needs to talk to him. And this is already weird that Didi said that Abraham was texting because none of his friends have ever received a text from Abraham before. Abraham is um, illiterate because he dropped out in seventh grade, basically, and he would rather just call people. And it was just very uncommon for Abraham, basically. Yeah. So Greg texts, sketchy. Exactly. So Greg texts him, and Abraham replies. Mind you, he's on a cruise, so like, okay, whatever. And um, he replies, and he just doesn't sound like himself. <laughs> also, this is important to note. Dee Dee is a very tall, blonde, white woman. Abraham, and most of his friends around him are black. And I say this because, one, Greg was like, why the fuck is Abraham trusting this white lady so easily? Which was already sketchy. Two, the text that Greg got from Abraham included the N-word and uh, apparently with a hard R. And Greg is like, no black man would text like that. Sorry. Like, that's, like I, that was just not normal, basically. So Greg actually, and Greg is kind of the star of the story in a really just cunning way, basically. He's very smart. So Greg has his wife text Abraham that she loves Abraham and and like, oh, I miss you, baby. Like, come home, whatever, to test out if it's Abraham because Abraham knew Greg's, Greg's wife and they did not have a thing and he would recognize the number. So if Greg's wife was to say that, Abraham would probably say, like okay no well why are you saying this basically but what abraham actually replies is oh um i love you too i'll be home soon so greg knows something is happening and it's weird i really like that that's a very um that was very smart absolutely yes so a couple of lies continue from Dee Dee. greg pushes to figure out the foreclosure thing because that's like priority number one he does not want to lose his mother's home like that is not okay And she eventually, like, figures it out for him. She takes the papers to prove that his mom's home won't be foreclosed. And then he asks about Abraham, and she's like, oh, um, yeah, he's been taking literacy classes, um, and he has a new girlfriend who's writing his text for him, and he's on another vacation, so he's fine. Okay. I want to note, I hate this Dee Dee person. She's honestly the worst. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And I say this also because more people started asking about Abraham's whereabouts. Like, it's been a couple of weeks at this point. And she'd say random and honestly quite racist lies. Like, oh, he assaulted a prostitute. And he's like, you know, kind of hiding out or whatever. Or, oh, he's in Tahiti and there was an earthquake. Or, oh, he got HIV in Puerto Rico. Like, 
what the fuck? What? Like, what? Yeah. She, she just keeps lying. She's a, she's a con artist. She's a liar. She's not very good at it, clearly, but whatever. So, And also, she's, like, ruining his reputation in the process, which is really gross. Yeah. Ew, I hate her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's less like a con artist. She's like a con intern or something. <laughs> yes, she is a con intern. <laughs> Joke four. So, <laughs> so finally, one of Abraham's cousins files a missing persons report because this is strange. This is weird. Now, cops immediately find Dee Dee suspicious, obviously. At this point, she was living in Abraham's house that he bought with her young boyfriend and then also his mother, Patricia. I don't know, like, this is just all so messy and gross, and I, I can't. So they interview her, and she just keeps concocting more elaborate stories with the detectives. But she knows, like, she's in a mess, and she tries bribing people to get her out of it. She tries bribing Abraham's ex-girlfriend, who didn't take the bait and told the police about it. And she ends up trying to bribe Greg, actually. And that's a whole other story that kind of gets Greg connected to the police and to starting to collaborate with the police. But first... She gets interrogated by detectives and a homicide detective, and they finally have a search warrant for Abraham's house where Dee Dee, as I said, was living in. And the detectives are putting pressure on her, and then she makes up another thing. She says that Abraham, since the vacation, has been getting HIV treatment overseas. Okay. And that's apparently what he's been telling people. But really, there's actually a video of him having sex with a 14-year-old girl. And he's actually laying low because of that, because he's scared that's going to come out and then he's going to have to go to jail. And he's like, it's, it's just, it's just bad. It's just bad. And then she like, in the video, she's like crying and she's like, my life is really being affected by Abraham's mess. My own mom doesn't want to come to my Thanksgiving like dinner. Like the video is so ridiculous. She's in full tears and she's such a manipulator. And the detective, <laughs> the detective looks at her and he's like, I don't believe a word that you're saying. Like all, you know, Southern or whatever. <laughs> and actually the other detective, the one that was kind of um, playing a, I think it was like a good cop, bad cop thing, whatever. Apparently later after they interrogated him and she was talking to him like outside of the station or whatever, she was like seducing him and trying to get him to like be on her side and like, oh, we should go get a hotel room or whatever. Like what a crazy person. Ridiculous. Just absolutely ridiculous. So she continues bribing people. She paid someone actually to call Abraham's mother and pretend to be abraham but his mom was like that's not him at all so she just keeps making up lies like it's insane so we're gonna fast forward a teeny bit now as i said Dee Dee bribed greg into doing something that eventually led greg to collaborate with the police and it's actually his idea to get Dee Dee into his car and see if she'll confess and he's wearing a wire so he tells her oh like i support you blah 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 and it seems like whenever people were nice to Dee Dee or like helpful in any way, she would just immediately latch on to that. Especially men, like she would use her body and her charisma. I, she must have had charisma. I mean, or else like, you know, she wouldn't be doing all this crazy stuff. But is she a looker? No. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so he's like being really nice to her and she literally throws herself onto him and starts like trying to make out with him and all this sort of stuff. So he rejects her and she starts crying, which is apparently what she always does when she is in an uncomfortable position or gets called out or whatever. Doesn't Just, get her way. Yeah, victimizes herself essentially. And um, and and then they end up just he ends up being like, listen, I support you, blah, blah. We'll get out of this together. He also was a little bit nervous because he thought that she had pushed herself onto him to check if he had a wire. Which, 
I don't think she's smart enough to do that, to be honest, but it, 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 it's a possibility. So um, she leaves the car, does not confess, and he's nervous that she might have found his wire, so she actually concocts this. <laughs> Apparently, he carried a Red Bull can around him always, like he was addicted to Red Bull, and um, he made a false bottom on a Red Bull can and then installed a listening device into it. And so um, Dee Dee asks Greg later after he made this Red Bull thing to meet her in her car and um he takes the little red bull can which i think is just so funny she essentially tells him that the two of them need to get a hotel room two prepaid phones because apparently she realizes that they're starting to be listened to and watched and um to blame anything on a drug dealer they know called ronald now there was never any ronald she was making it up and i think she was tr just like trying to convince greg to collaborate with her greg is collaborating with the police but he's like yeah absolutely so he goes into the hotel room that he got for the two of them enters and she is like in a full hazmat suit style situation and hands him one and takes a brand new laptop out of from under the bed and a printer brand new both brand new and she's like we're going to type up a letter that's going to sound like abraham so that way abraham's mom will think that he's okay okay so they normal hazmat Greg. suits. Mm -hmm. She says that to Greg. Okay. Totally normal. In their hazmat suits. That's mm -hmm. really... Yeah, because she didn't feels... want any evidence to be linked to them, right? No DNA. So you need the whole suit. Um, yeah, of course. So they type up the letter, and then they send it to Abraham's mom. Now, this is, like, really gross because Abraham's mom is already going through enough, obviously. And then also in the letter... Abraham's kind of a dick to her, like, just not being nice. Like, oh, I can't believe you couldn't recognize your own son's voice. I'm in a lot of trouble, blah, 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 whatever. But, like, I'll let you know when I'm okay. Stop collaborating with the police. Like, just being manipulative and not okay. And Abraham's mom receives the letter and is like, this is not my son. There is something really bad going on. Takes it to the police. Okay. The police and Greg are trying to figure out how to pin Dee Dee down. Because they know at this point... Dee Dee did it. Like, she's trying to cover up her tracks. It's a mess. It's bad. Greg is super in with her now. Because no one knows where Abraham is at this point. Or, like, do they know he's dead? The or like, detectives what's... suspect that Abraham is dead. At first, it was mm -hmm. just an investigation. And then they, they interviewed her multiple times um, throughout the process. They had a homicide detective come in because they suspected that he was dead. There was no evidence of him because all of her... Friends and family were like, the texts are off. The texts are not him. And then she was just acting erratically too. Like she would call the police station every day, like for multiple weeks to tip off more information to the police basically and to act like she was collaborating. So they had their suspicions. So Greg and, and, and the police are trying to figure out how to figure out, you know, if Abraham is dead, that Dee Dee did it. So Greg is like, hey, Dee Dee, I have a plan. Dee Dee's like, yeah, what's up? Greg is like, I have a cousin who's going to jail already. Like, he's he literally is going to jail in the next few weeks. Um, he's already been charged, whatever, blah, blah. And I think he's just out on bail. Something along those lines. The cousin was actually um, an undercover cop. But Greg is like, Ooh. he can take the fall for Abraham. And we can say that Abraham is dead right? And that way they'll stop looking for him and you and I will be off the hook. 
Didi's like, that's a great idea. Actually, Abraham is dead. Some drug dealers killed him. What do you need? And then Greg is like, what? Mm, yeah. Didi's like, Ronald. Actually, your friend is dead. Yeah. Didi's like, Ronald did it. Blah, blah. Him and his drug dealers, which mind you, again, Ronald is a fictitious character. Right. So she tells Greg this, and Greg is like, well, he's just going to need evidence to be connected to, to Abraham's death and also probably a body. Didi is like, um, would the murder weapon be helpful? Jeez. <laughs> oh, Greg is like, yeah, the murder She's weapon would be helpful. such an idiot. Yep. So she, and then, and then Greg is like, also, I'll just have you meet with my cousin and see, like, how this can go. So they meet in a car. These are, oh, this is, like, so, like, mafia. Like, they all just meet in cars and, like, drive around parking lots in Lakeland, Florida. It's just ridiculous. So they meet in a car, the cousin, the undercover cop, and, um, and Dee Dee. And they talk, and the cousin's like, I'm going to need a body. I can't just have a murder weapon, whatever, blah, blah. So Didi's like, okay, let me talk to the drug dealers and see what I can do. So she goes and talks to herself. Yeah, she goes and <laughs> talks to herself, basically. <laughs> and she tells Greg, hey, um, I, I know where the body is. Uh, like, you know, let's meet up tomorrow, figure it out, blah, blah, whatever. It's just, it's bad. So Greg at this point now has the murder weapon, is about to know where the body is. Like Didi's about to be pinned down, which is really good, but also really painful for Greg because this makes it official. Abraham is in fact dead. So it seems like the plan was to dig up Abraham's body and then give it to the cousin and he would then go bury it so his fingerprints would be all over it, blah, blah, and then turn himself in. So, sorry, this alleged cousin who was the undercover cop, they were just say like, that he was okay with going down for it? And she was like, okay. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, that's, like, Greg convinced Dee Dee that he was okay with going down for it for money, obviously. So there was an exchange. I think he asked for $50,000. But what good is $50,000 if you're in jail? I mean, you can put it in, in like, you know, family's account or, like, like your wife's account. Murdering. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. I know. It's messy. Well, also, I think Dee Dee's a little bit stupid. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and I say this because, like, the murder weapon was registered under her name. So even if, like... So yeah, it was a gun. Yeah, it was a gun. Exactly. So, like, even if they took the murder weapon, <laughs> Dee Dee was like, we'll lie and we'll say that your cousin broke into my house and took my gun and then killed Abraham. Mm. It just gets weirder and worse and terrible. She's just like making stuff up on the fly too. It's Literally. not like any of this was like thought out. Very no, well, it seems like. no, exactly. So the plan was for Abraham. I mean, for Greg's cousin to dig up the body, right? So they needed tools. Greg was like, "Hey, can you go get you know a shovel, bleach, blah blah, whatever?" And then Dee Dee was like, "Oh, maybe um he'll just burn the body. Like like maybe we could do that." And then, this is just a really gross extra tidbit of information. Greg was like, um, okay, yeah, get kerosene. And then Dee, Dee was like, and marshmallows. <gasps> I am disgusted. Ew. I am disgusted. Anyway, so Greg, like, had to, like, just grit his teeth and and deal with it. Deal You're with like, this disgusting ha, 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 woman. Ha, ha, ha. I know, literally. So she gets them all of the supplies that they need, and then she goes and 
Greg is like, go do something where you'll have alibis. So that way when we're digging up the body, like nothing will happen to you. Obviously Greg is working with the police. So that's not a problem. So Greg and his cousin, undercover cop, go to where Dee Dee told them the body was, which was buried under a concrete slab in her slash Abraham's home on like the property. Dee Dee is having dinner with her family and then basically Greg calls her and is like, hey, we have cops surrounding us. Like you've double crossed us, blah, blah, whatever. And so Dee Dee is asked to go to the station. Greg goes to the station they find the, like, they already found the body, cops found the body, whatever. They were interrogating Dee Dee, and Dee Dee threw Greg under the bus and was basically like, oh yeah, Greg did it. Like, I'm so glad you found the murderer, whatever, blah, blah, just a total mess. But then the cops were like, Greg is working with us. You are very much under arrest. And um, yeah, and then they find Abraham's body, which had been, all metal stuff had been removed. So that way, if a metal detector had been used, it wouldn't have recognized him. And he had been shot twice. And yeah, he was buried. It was just bad. And she did it. And, and that's sh- it. Does she go to jail? For she does. She gets jail for life. life and with no parole. She's still in jail. And it is just a really gross, terrible mess of a story and a really sad story. That is, that's great. I mean, there are some states where you have to disclose if you won the lottery and there's some states where you don't, um, I assume Florida is one of those. I don't actually know. I what- think, yeah, I think Florida, you have to disclose, which just sucks. Cause then you become a target. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Thank you, Nika, for telling us that wonderfully convoluted story. Um, when we come back, I'm going to end everything on a happy note. Hey girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. Culture. And a little bit of... 
Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Okay. Welcome back, everyone. As I mentioned, I'm going to end this on a happy note. So yay for that. That's, I Ew, feel like why, a rare Taylor? occasion. No, that's well, so necessary. I felt, I just felt like it was necessary because there are so many deaths associated with people who've won the lottery, as we were just saying that like, there's some places where you have to disclose if you won and then people come out of the woodworks, a lot of people die from or get murdered from uh, winning the lottery because people are just so money hungry. But I'm going to tell you a story about this man, and it is kind of a happy story. So this is a story about an Australian man named Bill Morgan. He was a truck driver. He lived in a trailer park just outside of Melbourne. And then at the age of 37, he suffers a very aggressive heart attack. Is that the happy part? What are we this doing? This is the what? happy part. Yep. He's so basically, yep, his heart stops and he dies. But the medical team What? Yeah. What? What, what? Taylor? Wait, what? Just what? Just stick with just stick with me, okay? The medical team <laughs> he dies, his heart stops, yes. But his his brain is still go is still going forward. It's he's still mentally there, right? So they can Wait, what? That didn't make any you said he died. He dies. His heart well, stops. His, yeah. But he becomes, but he still has brain activity. Okay. Like your brain can still function for like seven ish. Some, if you're lucky, more. 
it, your brain can still function. So like it's basically your brain and your heart kind of have to stop to be like clinically dead. So he's de- like half dead. So he's like, I guess half dead. So they okay. continue CPR, et cetera, to try and get his heart going again. And they were successful. After 14 minutes, his heart just starts pumping again. Okay. But he was left in a coma because that's a very long time to be like dead. Like his brain isn't getting the oxygen, right? Because mm-hmm. there's no blood pumping to his brain. Okay, so he's in a coma, and doctors are, like, telling his loved ones, like, hey, guys, you should really consider pulling the plug. He was dead for, like, 14 minutes. He's – if he does wake up, he's not going to be okay. He's going to be brain dead, vegetable, etc. But they were rem- – his family was like, no, we're, we're hoping for the best here. Well, 14 days later, he wakes up from his coma. He sits up, and he is just, like, good to go. He's, like, totally fine. So what? That's okay. So okay. see, happy. He's alive. Everything's oh, fine. Oh yeah. Sorry, I think we're happy now. Yeah, no, I, mean, we're I think happy. as the podcast, like we're just reacting really strangely to happy story. But continue. <laughs> <laughs> we're so, like, hmm, what? It's weird. So, as many do with an NDE or I guess a death experience, a DE, as it were. Bill started to evaluate his life. He realized that he was with the woman of his dreams. So he proposes, gets married, and they're happy as a clam. You know, he's just happy to be alive. He's basically realized that, you know, he's been given another opportunity. So one of Bill's just pleasures in life was just getting a $5 scratch off about once a week. You know, he was like, this is a fun thing. So... One week, shortly afterwards, he wins a Toyota Corolla. And he was like, oh. hell yeah, I want a car. This is amazing. Like, I was dead for 14 minutes, and now I have, like, a free car and all this stuff. And now I have a Toyota. Yeah. So he was very excited, very, you know, feeling good. The local news, they catch wind of it, and they're like, hey, can we do a story on you? And he's like, sure, why not? I mean, it's not that big of a deal. And they're like, well, it would be great if we could recreate this moment. So let's go into the convenience store that you got your original scratch off, as scratchies as they call them in Australia. Scratchies. Scratchies. Would you like a scratchies on the barbie? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So like, okay, go get you another lottery ticket. We'll recreate the moment. So he goes in there and he or he gets it or whatever and scratching it off. And he's like, y'all, I just won $250,000. And he's like, I am not joking. And he like falls back onto the counter and he's like, oh my gosh, I might have another heart attack. And he, this man literally on camera wins $250,000. So, what? wow. Yep. So then he calls his wife and he's like, Hey, babe, I literally he does. He's like, I just won $250,000. And he's like, you know what, I'm gonna buy us a house outright, you know, like so that they could live the dream as you know, they were they got out of the trailer park or whatever. So this man dies for 14 minutes and then wins the lottery twice. He eventually he retires. Um, He does have like a heart condition, you know, from from the heart attack or whatever. And um, has arthritis really bad, but you know, he's just like happy as a clam. He, the clams are so happy. He's so happy. The clams. So I think, 
Okay, so to me, this is kind of, y'all are going to be so mad at me when I say this. This is like proof that we're just like in simulation, okay? Because it's like whoever it was that was like controlling him or like, you know, controlling his little, he's the avatar or whatever. They like totally messed up by accidentally giving him a heart attack and stuff. So it's like the whoever it was, this angel or whatever, is like got fired. They were like, no, you did a terrible job. Like this was not supposed to happen. This was not in his memo. So they're like, you're, we're going to have to revive him. And then we're going to have to like, you know, reward him by giving him, having him win the lottery twice. So this is actually a really sad story, Taylor, because an angel got fired. Okay. That's sad. <laughs> also, that's not how simulation theory works, Taylor. So Okay, well, I don't know anything about simulation theory, so... Okay, well, everyone can have their own theory. I, I actually believe... I'm Taylor started a cult. I will be a part of it. Okay, great. I think you're... It sounds like Taylor's cult is Christianity. That's... I just use no, the term in angel. Christianity, they don't believe that the angels run the business. I just use the okay. term angel. I don't know. I would give it my own term. The nerdy child playing, the alien playing your simulator game. Yeah. We are Harry all... Potter. Yeah, okay. And why can't I make up my own simulation? Sorry, yeah, wh- go on. Let her play her a simulation game. <laughs> no, it's just we're, the simulations, we're not being controlled by anything. We're just acting out something that already happened, okay? So really, he's just the avatar. He's not even the genuine person that that happened to, Taylor. Okay, so fine. Then... It's not a simulation theory. This theory is that there is somebody controlling us and there is like rules to each each person is already mapped out for them and this dude done messed up. And I think my avatar So you think is we're Presbyterians. Me, stop. My avatar is telling me I need to go eat a whole bag of pita chips after this. So Yeah. Mine's telling me, okay, well, I don't free will. Who needs it? Not me. <laughs> I don't. Okay. Somebody just messed up. He was, suppo- I he love was not this supposed for him. to die. I at- love this for him. Exactly. He was not supposed to die. Happy and Clems. so they were making it up to him by having him win I the mean, lottery. Listen, when I used to play Sims and I would accidentally treat my Sims badly, I would make them woohoo and buy them a ton of fancy stuff just to make them feel better afterwards. So. I actually, I agree, Taylor. Thank you. We are I all don't just agree sims. with this at all. All right. Well, great. This has touched a nerve in Gabby, and I honestly don't know why. <laughs> well, we're just, we're, we're going down a predestination. First of all, simulation theory it was wrong. Your conception of it, Taylor. That's okay. not how it works. Well, this but is proof we of- are in a simulation. Okay. You know, there's a 99% chance of it. But, um, <laughs> but also, you know, I don't believe in fate. I don't think that's a thing. I don't think like there's nothing controlling us. It's just random. It just happened to have two lottery tickets. So he, Gabby, this is a queen. Gabby operates it's off a of the quinky dink theory. Quinky dink. Yeah, I'm on the quinky dink. Gabby, I think it was fate that you and I met, and you can't change my mind. Okay. Oh, I think it was nepotism. That's how we met, Nika. <laughs> Okay, I'm stressed. Should we end the podcast now? I'm <laughs> yes, scared. end it. Okay. End it. Tell the avatar to end it. Okay, shut it down. Shut it down. <laughs> Cadaver gals. 
Cadaver Gals is a production of School of Humans and iHeartRadio. It is hosted, produced, mixed, researched, etc. by Gabby Watts, Nico Duarte, and Taylor Church. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Cadaver Gals. Also, feel free to leave us a nice comment or review. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts.